the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we take your calls and answer your questions about the things you care the most about, questions about well, God and the historical Jesus, questions about the Bible, questions about theology, help with understanding Bible verses, if there's some spiritual issues in your life that you might need a little help with, happy to try and help you. This is Gino Geraci, 303-873-1935. That's the number. Friendly Jim is standing by to take your call. 303-873-1935. We, of course, talk about the past, which is history. We talk about the future, which is prophecy. But we also talk about current events. And so, again, if you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. I've got a little bit of a a tickle in my throat, so I might be... Um, <laughs> sounding a little, a little bit strange. Three zero three eight seven three nineteen thirty five. You know, it's interesting to me about how headlines work. How how people think about um, what's newsworthy. And of course, uh, my uh, my friend Jim Dennison today at the Dennison Forum has been talking about how Christ can change us despite the fragility of life. He, uh, My nephew was at the, uh, at the Oscars last night, and he literally won the Academy Award for uh, the eyes of Tammy Baker for the makeup. And um, Coda made history last night. It was the first film distributed by a streaming service to win Best Picture, um, by a, 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 a dominant crew, you know, uh, or cast, I should say, of hearing impaired, the deaf community. And uh, Jessica Chastain won her first Oscar uh, for The Eyes of Tammy Baker. And, of course, Will Smith won Best Actor for King Richard. But the headline, the headline is that comedian Chris Rock made a, jo- a joke about uh, Will Smith's wife during the evening, and he came up. Um, it looks like he m- came up pretty quickly, and he struck uh, Chris Rock in the face with an open-handed slap. Of, if I'm understanding things correctly, he later apologized to the Academy and to the fellow nominees. Um, of course, the conflict on everyone's mind was the ongoing issue in Ukraine. And several of the people who were at the Oscars, I didn't watch the Oscars, by the way, uh, paid tribute to uh, Ukraine in a number of different ways. I've only seen bits and pieces and clips. It's it's just really not my cup of tea. But it's my understanding that uh, Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher, her husband, have raised more than $35 million in humanitarian aid to the Ukrainian 
people. And um, she basically said, quote, recent global events have left many of us feeling gutted. She said, yet when you witness the strength and dignity of those facing such devastation, it's impossible to not be moved by their resilience. One cannot help but be in awe of those who find strength to keep fighting through unimaginable darkness. Now, again, when words are spoken like that, when people find themselves in deep difficulty and crisis, um, it makes perfect sense. Uh, Kunis said, um, Russian journalist Dmitry Muratov announced that he was going to auction off his Nobel Peace Prize that he won last year to raise money for the Ukrainians. And uh, again, he called on Russia to stop the combat, exchange prisoners. and um, But again, if we ask and we answer the question, who won last year's Best Actor Award? Do you know? Can you say it? Who won last year for Best Actress? Who won last year for Best Picture? Well, last year's Best Actor was Anthony Hopkins. Last year's Best Actress was Frances McDormand. The Best Picture, Nomadland. I had to look each and every one of them up. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program Let's see who's up. Jessica in Fort Collins. Welcome to the program. Hi, Gino. Hi, Hi Jessica. I, I wish you a belated happy birthday. Oh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> My grandchildren asked me, Papa, how old are you? And I said, twice six, twice seven, twice 20. I'll let you figure Woo! it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm probably in that same decade as you are. Um I would like to ask your opinion about our responsibility and our the Ministry of Reconciliation. Sure. Um, when we have a falling out with a friend, in the scriptures it says, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Um, and that if you feel that you are at fault, you should go and apologize and you know step forward and do that. I had a relationship with a girlfriend for over seven years, and it went, it was going along just fine. And um, almost two years ago, she essentially accused me of having a relationship with her husband, which was totally untrue, and a few other things. Um, and I think a lot of this was, it certainly wasn't based on facts, it was assumptions, and I think her feelings of vulnerability, maybe jealousy, insecurity, whatever. So we have not had any communication for almost two years. Wow. And, yeah, it's very sad because I love both of them. And, by the way, they're about 20 to 24 years younger than I am. Wow. So they're young enough to be my kids. Um, so, at any rate... Um, I would really, you know, I did apologize. If I had hurt her, I was very sorry. But she says, oh, I have forgiven you. I have forgiven you. And I said, well, what about reconciling? And she said, no. You see, this is, yeah, yeah, this is interesting right there. 
It yeah. only takes one person to forgive, but it takes two people to be reconciled. Yeah. And, and so uh, imagine um, what you just said. Does forgiveness um, require reconciliation? And I guess the way that I would put it is in in a perfect world, that's exactly what would happen. That, you know, she values your friendship. She values that relationship. She sees um, that you're important to her. And uh, again, you know, we have the basis of the reconciliation that's spoken of in Second Corinthians 5.18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ Jesus God was reconciling the world to himself. Um, mm-hmm. But how do you do that? How how do you become a peacemaker? And how do you reconcile um, the relationship? How do you convince her that your friendship and your relationship matters? Well, um, she now lives, you know, very close to me. Um I have apologized, but I asked her if we could get together and talk, and she just is not interested in doing that. And I, um, I guess, until she's willing to take a look at her own. Yeah, hold, you hold on. I'll, I'll, I'll just give you a couple of things to think about when we come back. Okay. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me. The number is 303-873-1935. We're talking with Jessica. And Jessica, you know, we, we were talking about your specific situation and how um, this person has expressed not just reluctance, but an absolute kind of unwillingness to have reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in that situation, obviously, that you really don't have a choice other than to pray for that person or to ask God to give you wisdom on how you might um, be able to go forward, like dropping mm-hmm. them a note or sending them a card or just saying, hey, you know what, um, just want you to know that I'm thinking about you and that you're important to me and that I value your friendship and then just leave it at that. But... Mm-hmm. But I guess one of the things I think you might intuitively know, and the intuit, in, intuition is what generated the suspicion to begin with. What was it about you and her husband that, quote unquote, manifested itself in that kind of suspicion and accusation? And could it be because she's facing some other kind of insecurity in her relationship with her husband. By the way, is she still mm-hmm. married to this person? Well, they were going through a very rough time, and yes, they are, and maybe it's gotten better. Um, I will mention that um, she suffered a severe bodily injury uh-huh. in her 20s uh, during her first marriage, and um, she has a lot of residual effects from that. From the injury. Um, Correct. And, you know, I knew her husband professionally when I was working. I've been retired now for a number of years. 
Um, but I did not know him well. Um, <clears throat> we actually, we, she and I had spent hours and hours and hours together without her husband ever even being around. This is such a reversal of behavior. I just, perhaps it was due to her vulnerability when things were not going well between the two of them. I don't know. But yes, I do pray for her. I do miss her friendship. Um, And for as young as she is, so much younger than I am, she's very wise for her years. Mm -hmm. So what? why... It just is painful. All I can say. Sure. And, you know, as you obviously you called me. And so this must mean that that you care about her and that you've had some real time to reflect on what may or may not have gone wrong and what could possibly have left her with this either impression or accusation um, she and, made a lot of assumptions. She made a lot of assumptions without asking any anything of me as far mm-hmm. as facts or verifying any information. She made a lot of assumptions, and I, and that is where um, her conclusions were drawn. So, uh, totally unfair. Well, all the more reason to say. Hey, you know what? Um, you 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 could just drop her a note and say, "I'm so sorry um, about the way our friendship has come to an abrupt uh, halt." And and you might just say, "Hey, I I know that perhaps um, you know things may or may not have changed. The assumptions may or may not have gone." away but i you know just send her a note maybe a gift card okay. yeah okay i can do that mm-hmm. and you already know it only takes one person to forgive but it takes two people to be reconciled yeah yeah all righty well i appreciate the the input and your advice and well and and um, i and i think that you know there's this fine line between i'm trying to use the right word begging versus just <laughs> expressing a deep desire to be reconciled yeah. and um back to what i said about uh second corinthians um, um in in verses 5 where it says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And, of mm-hmm. course, that message of reconciliation is broken things can be mended. Um, hurt things can be healed. Um, mm-hmm. And... and of course, the ultimate example is God is holy. We are to blame, and um, our sin alienated him, us from him. And while we were enemies, it says, for when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? The whole idea being God in, initiates this reconciliation, 
and then make sure that the tools are present for it to happen. Now, obviously, we're not God, and we don't have all of the tools at our disposal that God has at his disposal. But, you know, we can, as you continue to pray and and drop her a note and say, just want you to know I'm thinking about you and and continue to care about you. And that just leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Well, you take care. All right. Thank th- you. You, you too. 303-873-1935. That's the number. If you want to join me on the program, 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. And um, someone called and asked about... um, what was called the elephant room. And and I don't know exactly um, if this person's talking about the controversy that erupted. This is, it's almost a decade ago about, uh, I think this was a group that involved the gospel coalition and what was called the elephant room controversy. And, um, so if that's what you were talking about, by all means, um, you can call me back. I, I'm wondering if if you're making reference to T.D. Jakes and then the whole issue on modalism versus Trinitarian theology. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what you meant or um, what you were looking for. Um, <clears throat> And obviously there are people who um, don't believe that T.D. Jakes is a modalist. And, um, and, And there are those who do believe that he is a modalist. Um... And for the person who's listening right now who has no idea what I'm talking about, about modalism, um, I would refer you to our article that we have at gotquestions.org on modalism. But it's the belief that God manifests himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, hence the term modal. Um, so happy to, to, to talk about Trinitarian theology or modalism, if that's what you'd like, 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. And like I said, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, what was going on with uh, reconciliation. But... You know, again, there's this whole plethora of things that we could be talking about, and that includes injury, offense. You know, what happens when when you're injured either publicly or privately, and it results in that kind of uh, circumstance. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program 
The number is 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. We're talking a little bit about um, some of the things surrounding <laughs> the Academy Awards and, um, you know, what made headlines as far as Will Smith slapping Chris Rock after he made a joke that was in very, very bad taste. Um, but and there's an interesting aside to this story, and one of it is some advice that apparently Denzel Washington had given to Will Smith a few minutes uh, <clears throat> before his own acceptance speech. And it's being reported in a number of different news outlets, including Faithwire.com by Billy Hollowell, who said that um, – he said, quote, Den, during the course of of his acceptance speech, uh, <clears throat> Will Smith said, quote, Denzel, that's Washington, said to me a few minutes ago, at your highest moment, be careful. That's when the devil comes to you. That's when the devil comes to you. Den, uh, Will Smith said, I want to be a vessel for love, unquote. So Smith, who ironically, again, won the Best Actor Oscar for King Richard, not long after hitting Chris Rock, revealed Washington's comments during that acceptance speech. And Denzel Washington, as he was <laughs> watching um, Will Smith, just stood looking on. And of course, his words on the devil ring true and are scripturally sound. The Bible warns believers that Satan comes to kill and destroy and confuse and consternation. And I suspect that Denzel Washington, when he's talking about the devil, and he talks about at your highest moment, the devil comes for you, um, that he meant the real devil of the Bible not some sort of metaphorical devil or some sinister force for evil. And so, again, even in the popular culture where we look and we see among the glitterati, you know, the most famous people in the world, um, you see these hints. Um, it, it seems to me that you can't sustain a worldview of hopelessness and despair without literally retreating into a very dark space. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. In in other news, um, obviously, we haven't been talking a great deal about COVID lately, and we haven't been talking talking about both the pre-pandemic and the post-pandemic reality that we face. But one of the things that seems to be taking place all across our country and all across um, the United States of America and even the world is this sort of um, return to normalcy. Even as you're watching, you know, March Madness and you're watching basketball or you're watching baseball or or you're watching other kinds of events that 
used to be a normal normal part of life. One of the things that we like to keep our eye on is churches. Are churches returning to what looked like a pre-pandemic norm? And there is a survey, a new survey that came out from Pew Research Center that found that a number of people attending worship services in person hasn't changed since last fall following the stretch of growth from July 2020 to September 2021. 43% of survey participants said their congregation have returned to normal operating procedures, 43%. Um, there's been, uh, which is an increase of some 14% in the last six months. In March 2021, just 31% of the churches said that they were operating at a normal capacity. And interestingly, when split along party lines, the difference became even a little more, dare I use the term interesting, um, Nearly twice as many Republicans, 58%, as Democrats, 27%, say their churches or their houses of worship are operating uh, the way they did prior to the pandemic, which is interesting to me. Um, Because, again, not just from a political standpoint, but from an ideological standpoint, when you're talking about conservative versus liberal outlooks, But a larger plurality, 47%, said their churches are open, but they have some lingering restrictions, like requiring physical distancing or face masks. A mere 5% said their places of worship are still shut down. Now, again, that is interesting in and of itself, where out of this pandemic, and out of the events that have unfolded over the last two years, 5% say our church is closed in the sense that it's not open for in-person worship. Now, in context, in July 2020, about 13% of Americans uh, told Pew that they had attended religious services in the previous month. In the new survey, roughly 27% of adults said that they had attended a church service, a religious service in person during the previous month. 26% and 17% said the same in September and March 2021, respectively. So the number of Americans who live stream religious services online or watched televangelists fell from 36% in July to 28% in September of 2021. Now that number is about 30%. So those who attend church services regularly are more likely, obviously, to attend in-person services. About one-third of the American adults, 32%, said that they typically attend in-person services once or twice a month. Of that group, a majority, 67%, said they've attended an in-person service in the last four weeks, while 57% said they watched services online in the same period of time. 
So again, there seems to be a growing group of people. I guess the way that I would put it is that there's a drop in church attendance. The way to think about it is those who typically attend services, it rose slightly, and then it's been on a decline since about the end of last year. So, again, when we ask and we answer the question, is there a new normal for church attendance and is what I guess I'm, I'm saying. And is the new normal a reduction in the amount of people who are going to in-person services and an increase in those who have opted to continue to participate, if you want to use that term, in the church online. I guess we're going to find out. 303-873-1935. That's the number. If you want to join me on the program. And of course, a 5% of churches remaining closed is heartbreaking. This is Gina Geraci. 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. I should call my nephew. 303-873-1935. Andrea, welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you very much. Um, I just want to make a comment. I Perhaps I didn't hear everything you said when you said Denzel made a comment to... um, Will Smith? Yes, but, about that the devil comes to you at, at, at your highest moment. Right. And, and, and I guess he was relating to the fact that Will Smith won that Academy Award or whatever it may be. And yes. I feel like we have to be careful as disciples of Jesus because we really miss over the point. Will and Jada have been playing this game out here for years. He's been giving his wife to people. They've been having open relationships. They've decided to live in such a way that works for them. But for some of us out here, it doesn't. And we have situations with people who can't afford to even put enough gas in their car, food to eat, and you're a multimillionaire and you didn't like a joke, so you decided to hit someone. So you show our children that the example is when you don't like something, yell out curse words, Go hit somebody, but I'm a multimillionaire and I can't take it. But yet you haven't even dealt with half the stuff that most of us out here have to deal with every day. So I think that we have to be careful with giving Will Smith a get out of jail free card for his behavior and for the behavior that he and his wife have demonstrated over the last few years. That has been very polar opposite, in my opinion. What do you what think Christ would want? Yeah. What do you think will happen? Uh, obviously, the, what what you just spoke about. There's a growing camp, two growing camps. The first, it, and it's been my experience that Americans are are quick to forgive. Let's be blunt. People love Will Smith. They love him, and they want to forgive him. And so when they see him do what 
what he did, they go to the chivalry uh, place, and they, and then he, he uh, 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 you know, he gives this tearful apology during his acceptance speech. What, what do you think should be the real consequences of his actions? Well, first of all, I think we need to stop talking about people love Will Smith. We need to realize that these are nothing but actors, actresses, singers, entertainers, and they're doing their job. Right. And when we start giving them more leverage than we give our own lives, the issue is not loving will. The issue is whether or not we're loving ourselves and we're living our real life. We live in real life. Like I went and I filled up my tank and from $40 to almost $75 to fill up my tank, that's real world stuff. And if a multi-millionaire can't deal with a stupid joke that was in bad taste. It was in bad taste. You need to go and deal with each other. But you also need to realize that take responsibility for the drama that you put out here. Take responsibility for the fact that you just showed millions of our children that it's okay to go hit somebody when you don't like what they say. But see, the difference is our children will be prosecuted. And you have enough money to ride it out. So all I'm saying is that it's not about what's the right consequence. We live in two different worlds. The wealthy have their world where they don't have to live with real consequences. And the rest of us try to live what I call a reality TV world, which is let's look and see what they do and let's pretend like we can do it. And then we get arrested, shot, or different things that goes on. So I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just on a, on a tangent because... No, no, no. I, I, you're not on a tangent. That's, this is the conversation that America has to have and, and the conversation that you're bringing up. But again, I think consequences are important because, again, you just made the statement. He slaps Chris Rock. Out. He is wealthy. He, he doesn't control his temper. It's obvious and it's everyone knows about it. Is he going to be given a pass by America? But this is my thing. We have been doing nothing but giving people passes. If they're in Hollywood, if they are somehow we've attached ourselves to celebrities in a way where we make them a part of our lives. And the reality is, I want any of you guys to call Will Smith, call Kim Kardashian, to call any of those people and say, listen, I need you to spend the next year filling up my gas tank because I'm out here struggling with my children and we ain't got a food to eat. We won't hear from them because they live in a different world. I just feel like when are we going to get to the point where it's like we have to live real consequences? And to see Will Smith do that, the consequence needs to be people say, you know what? It wasn't cool. I look, I get he talked about your wife. I get it was in poor taste. But you have a responsibility to be able to show yourself as an adult to our children and we're wondering why our children are struggling out here with just knowing right from wrong because adults go do something, they get up on stage, they cry, oh, I'm so glad, thank you for this award. And I'm saying, but wait a minute, brother, you, you, you're talking about loving people, and you just showed the polar opposite. So, so it, it's, not a, it's, it's not a space that I think any of us need to um, continue to be in. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about, you, you made the comment that Denzel said something to him, to me, that was nine steps ahead of what should have been talked about. I don't give a darn what Denzel said to you. I don't give a darn about the people who hugged you, and I don't give a darn about the people who like you. 
What I give a darn about is the millions of kids that I deal with every single day that are struggling with depression, that are dealing with not knowing their daddies, that are dealing with the fact that they ain't got food to eat. That's our reality. And the Will Smiths of the world and Hollywood itself, they really need to start getting a life. And we need to help <laughs> them get a life by helping them to realize you're entertainers, but you're not brilliant people. And we do not. And we need to stop associating money with brilliance because the two do not go hand in hand. Or, so, or, or to add to what you're saying, or morality. In other words, that some, right. or that somehow they're ethically or morally elevated people and that they're more likely to act with, dare I use the word chivalry? In other yeah. words, with courteous behavior. That's what I mean by chivalry. It's it was it it's a it's an old French word which means being courteous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think we need to realize that the same disease or whatever problem is that Jada's dealing with, you got hundreds of millions of women out here that are dealing with it too. Right. Like your your stuff, you know, isn't more important than mine. Your children are more important than mine. Your success is not more important than mine. Now, I want the best for you because I think we should always be happy for people. But all I know is in life, so much has been given, much is expected. And you need to bring your success to the world to elevate other people, not to use your success as a privilege where you don't get consequences the same way we do. Yeah, you know, and again, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but to, to okay. but okay. I can't help but think of what you just said. You know, you because you, you use the illustration of filling your your gas tank up, mm-hmm. and and if if we did have a conversation and we said why 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 has your gas prices increased thirty seven percent in the last twelve months, um, mm-hmm. and we have that conversation, we go why are uh, energy costs so much more. And then we talk about the failed policies of the current administration. And mm-hmm. we say, you know what? The, these failed policies are creating an energy crisis. But but mm-hmm. to but you you brought up the whole civilizational and cultural crisis that we face as as human beings in the North American continent. <laughs> And it it, well, it is pretty. Uh, well, think think about it. No, no, I am thinking about it. <laughs> if you're wealthy, if you're wealthy, right, and you go fill up your tank and it doubles, well, you may not like it, but guess what? It does not impact you. Right. It's if not- you're wealthy and you go and you hit somebody, you kill somebody, and you get the best lawyers there are, and you have no consequence to it, it does not impact like it does us every day. And I think that people who have a platform really need to start calling out individuals who don't have the same lifestyle. Now, I'm not mad at you. Go ahead and be successful. But you need to hold yourself responsible on being a leader out here. Because, like I said, our children have a right to see what I call legitimate leadership and legitimate behaviors and consequences that go with it. Thank you so much for your call. (laughs) I got to go, Andrea. But thanks for calling. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.